said, yep, seems as though. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, in any case, hello and welcome to Euripides Eumenides, a theater history podcast. This is the theater history podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. It is the theater history podcast for people who like bizarre and hilarious stories from history. Mine just all happen to be about theater. And for each episode, I meet with guests from the many different avenues my theater career has taken me down, and I give my guests no idea what we're going to be discussing for the episode. All they know is that we'll discuss a strange story from theater history and perhaps get a better understanding about why we're still doing it after all these years. So welcome to Euripides, Eumenides, and I am your host, Aaron Odom. Yay, that's usually when applause comes. Woo-hoo. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, joining me today are some friends that will be familiar to the CCD crowd. Uh, my good friend, Keely Anderson. Hello. Who is the technical theater coordinator here and has been a guest on the show before. And uh, go ahead, crowd, say congratulations because Keely is getting married soon. Yay. Woo! Thank what you, we thank have? you, like, thank you. We're like 16 days now? Yep, oh my 16 God. days. Yep. <laughs> okay, so you picked the cake, you picked everything else. Awesome, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and also on our panel is Chuck Roy, a faculty Ooh. member here who runs Colorado comedy shows, and he's responsible for producing a show we'll be bringing up later on, but Chuck has definitely been around the block as far as comedy is concerned. I, I have been doing it for years. Uh, a couple, at least, Sorry. from what I understand. <laughs> so uh, what are some highlights? You were telling me a couple of shows you've done? Oh, sure. Uh, Will and Grace, Third Rock from the Sun. Sure. Uh, films with Ralphie May and Louis Anderson Presents. I've heard of those. I know who those are. Yeah, I've right. heard of those. Yeah. Uh-huh. Those, those Louis's are uh, mentor. Uh, oh, wow. a huge uh, influence on my career. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Ralph was just huge. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but joining us specially via Zoom, you may have seen her as new Fiona on the final season of the wildly popular show Shameless. Mary, you ready? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Mary Kennedy. We know what is her name is. We know what her name is. Trying to make sure her face is ready. Mary yeah. <laughs> Kennedy is an extremely fun. She, and- She's going to be joining us from Zoom. Mary Kennedy. Actress who's joining us on Zoom and (laughs) may have just stepped away for a moment to celebrate. Hey, there she is. Mary Kennedy. (laughs) You see, there's a writer's strike is over, but the actor's strike is still on. So should she be joining or not? What a conundrum. (laughs) No, I'm here. Sorry, everybody. I just got an audition. If that helps. So, uh, you may have seen uh, Mary before. She was uh, on the wildly popular show Shameless in the seventh season as New Fiona and been around the block. How long have you been doing this for uh, acting and, and comedy, Mary? Uh, in Los Angeles for 23 years today. Whoa. Wow. Okay. Happy anniversary. Wow, happy Hollywood anniversary. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And uh, while you may be getting her experience, uh, her expertise here uh, via the wonder of the internet, this audience here will get a chance to see Mary live uh, later this spring when she stops at CCD during the tour of her one-person show that she wrote, Midlife Mood Swing. Hey. Yeah. yeah. Super cool. So, Mary, could you uh, give us just like a brief synopsis of that show? Uh, well, I'm a woman of uh, midlife, and it's about <laughs> being a mom going through menopause, a mom of two teenagers going through menopause and, uh, you know, navigating it uh, with the teachings of my mother who had a band, 
when I was a teenager and I was her roadie. So I was not brought up traditionally, but I'm using all of those things to mother and to get through menopause all in one piece. And the lovely Chuck Roy is producing it. So I'm really glad that I get to visit campus and uh, see everybody. So Mary, what's it like touring a one person show like this? What, What are some of the things you've taken away from that? Um, I'm on stage by myself for 53 minutes. (laughs) There's no bathroom breaks. There's no intermission. Uh, there's a water, a water break here and there, but it's all me. It's different. I'm a a professional comic as well. It's different than being a stand-up comic because you don't want the audience heckling you on stage. (laughs) (laughs) There's no audience interaction per se. Um, so it's really just you and, um, you know, my director, Charlene, uh, she's incredible and, uh, Charlene Ward, uh, and we have music cues and things like that. And, and I, you know, bring in the audience when I can, but it's really me on stage for 53 minutes by myself. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, Mary, I I don't mean to embarrass you, but you, uh, I, I hear you also have some famous family. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that Kennedy it's name so, is no joke. <laughs> yeah, infamous, infamous. Uh, oh, well, infamous. we're the poor side of the family. I'm and not the hyannis part. I, I don't know. I hear some of what them drive cars. What do the cars. Kennedys do? They drive some cars, I think. Oh, they well, <laughs> there were some presidents. There was a senator. There was. You don't necessarily want to drive with me. Like um, a bridge yeah, over exactly. troubled oh. waters. Let me yeah, get my exactly. scuba gear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Alcoholics don't run in our family. They drive. <laughs> anyway, so, anywho's, but I have all of the tragedy, none of the money. Oh, but I am oh, third cousins, twice removed from the Kennedy family. So, so to, to the lineage for the college students, JFK's great-grandfather, no, wait, I'm sorry, JFK's grandfather and my great-great-grandfather were brothers. Ah, okay, okay. Now you right. know. Mm-hmm. This very and then if you thrones. don't believe me, you can see it with the Ted Kennedy nose uh, and the chin. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Mary, awesome. Um, uh, Midlife Mood Swings was supposed to be coming up this October, but uh, plans changed, so we'll be seeing you sometime here in the spring, hopefully. Um, yes. And welcome all of you, but um, I suppose I should probably get to the reason why I brought you all here. Right. Uh, should I mean, we tell the Metro or CU students who the Kennedys are? Uh, I okay. don't know. It should okay. be in the syllabus. What um, I did there was a little cross-campus <laughs> zinger. All right. <laughs> Wasn't she a VJ? Okay. No. Oh, that was terrible. Okay. So, um, I brought you all here for a reason. I sent you all a uh, kind of a prompt and this is the only information that I gave you and stop looking at my script (laughs) now in the entire canon of theater history there have been plays that have been heralded as great but I'm sure we each have at least one that we can't agree that it's just not as good as the hype so which is your play that you don't go along with everyone else in thinking that it's any good Keely I'm going to start with you well, it was a hard decision, um, and I'm going to contradict myself a little bit because I have a lot of nostalgia and a lot of history okay. with this show, but I think if I'm coming from an objective perspective, 
I think categorically, analytically, it is one of the worst shows ever, and I know I'm going to upset people. <laughs> but do. I'm going to say Cats the Musical. <laughs> yes. Yes, hate Cats the Musical. Thank and you. <laughs> Thank you. Because I love it. Like, my parents saw it on Broadway and brought the VHS home. It was like we did it at my elementary school in second grade. Yeah. I have a lot of nostalgia for the show. It's the cat's But there meow. is no point oh. to it. <laughs> like, okay. if we're looking okay. at Aristotle's poetics, right? Spectacle. <laughs> I have gone on this tangent so many times, right? Uh -huh. If we look mm -hmm. at Aristotle's poetics, we start mm -hmm. with plot, we start with character, and right at the very bottom is spectacle. Mm. And American mm -hmm. musical theater does this as a whole, but Cats exclusively is spectacle. Correct. More than anything else, and I don't think those other elements are like even no. acknowledged. Mm, well, yeah. Like a little bit, but that's mm -hmm. because T.S. Eliot wrote the book, they had to have something. <laughs> And yep. yeah, like there's kind of an arc, I guess. Okay. okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. so cats. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chuck, what do you got for us? Meow. <laughs> <laughs> tickety tap, tickety tap. He's stealing my Send answer. Send that on and get me my poet laureate. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? What's what's your play that you just can't go along with? Uh, the Iceman coming. <laughs> <laughs> I on everybody's nightstand. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember at the It's just not happy enough. Oh, uh, I see. That's what's missing. It needs to be happy. <laughs> to, there needs to be a little delight. A couple costumes, like, a couple dance numbers. Like one of them brings out a cupcake and at says, least. here, have a cupcake. Some yeah. version of a song and dance. <laughs> why so sad, Iceman? Why so I, sad? First of all, I expected the Iceman to be participating in a volleyball game. <laughs> like a, 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 a Top Gun style? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I looked for the Top Gun beach scene in just about everything I do. It was formative to my coming out. Looking for <laughs> jean shorts and bacon grease. And <laughs> uh, bacon grease is my nickname on ground. All right. Um, Iceman cometh for bacon grease. I didn't say that. I said that. You said what? Okay. Uh, Mary, what do you got? Uh, Chekhov's The Three Sisters. Uh, Could we all yeah. just get to Moscow already? I, I don't care. Wow. But I want to get go. on the train. Just get there. I want to go. Get I there go, if I you go. can. There it's are Russian hills and mountains. Come on. I, I just can't. I, 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 and they're all rich ladies and could snap a finger and go, carriage is here. Let's yeah. go. The yeah. war in Ukraine is going faster than any <laughs> Russian piece of literature <laughs> or theater. <laughs> and at least we got some comic relief out of that one. Um, so. Well. I, I, I love that. Um, uh, I started to think about this, and I thought, like, my, my one, for a very picky reason like you, was Othello. Okay. Just because I don't believe, according to Hoyle, according to Aristotle, mm -hmm. is it a true tragedy? <laughs> and I'm like, because he just gets incited to go be jealous. Maybe jealousy is with him. Oh, God, I can't think of this as a true tragedy. And that, mm, that's, that's just interesting. Me being snooty. Can I, I tell you about a comic I saw? <laughs> <laughs> what have you got me into? Welcome to hell, Chuck. Can Some I tell you about a comic I saw? <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, I saw a comic once that kind of comments on that. Mm. It was if Othello was the lead in Hamlet, 
<laughs> and if Hamlet was the lead in Othello, right? Uh, <laughs> Hamlet's father ghost comes and says, my brother was an asshole, come and kill him. Mm-hmm. Othello would have immediately, show would have been over in five minutes. Yeah. No questions right. asked, because that was his issue with Iago, was he just took it at face value, right? Right. And then Hamlet would have taken five minutes to think about what Iago said, mm-hmm. realized he was full of shit, mm-hmm. and then the show would have been over when he killed Iago. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just switch the two. Crazy recognizes crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, in the world of commercial theater, <laughs> when uh-huh. Broadway investors and producers weigh what they want to put their money into, it can be rare that an investor or producer will take a risk on a show that might not go as well as hoped. However, every once in a while, a producer or investor will look at a new play to produce and think, it's worked before. That something really weird and out there has gone to Broadway and it absolutely flourished despite some initial misgivings. In fact, there is one show that almost everyone refers to, thinking that if a producer or investor were to take a chance on this show, they could emulate the success of that show, maybe even to a greater degree. Here's a list of the accolades and successes of this show in question. It's an original production on Broadway, ran for 18 years, and a total of 7,845 performances. Its original West End production ran for 21 years, and a total of 8,949 performances. And in its premiere, it got nominated for 10 Tony Awards, of which it won seven, including Best Musical. It won three Drama Desk Awards, and won the Outer Critics Circle Award for Best Musical. It was also nominated for five Olivier Awards, winning three, one of which was Best New Musical, and with tours, merchandise, and lots of other ways to squeeze blood from a turnip. In 2012, estimates were that the worldwide gross was over $3.5 billion. A Broadway revival launched in June 2016 and ran through December 2017. But despite all of this success, the show still remains one of those shows that seems to be a love-it-or-hate-it show. I've had people tell me that this is the reason that musical theater is in their bones. And I've had people tell me that this show is the reason they'll never appreciate musical theater. (laughs) So panel, I put it to you. Is Cats any good? Cats. I've directed. I've directed Cats. What? <laughs> I've directed not the Broadway. It was. Oh, okay. It was a. It was a camp performance <laughs> for kids, uh, and uh, you know, Mr. Mistopheles was cast. We cast a girl, and uh-huh. that was yep. a big, oh, yeah. big drama. Um, I think. Uh, here's the thing. I think you have to be a cat lover to like or love cats, Ah. and I'm a dog lover, and Ah. I think that's where the divisiveness is, because there's nothing quite as frightening, and I've seen it three times on Broadway, because I had to, not because I wanted to, (laughs) and there's very, it's very frightening when the cats go all through the audience, and then you're face-to-face with Tim Tigger, or whatever his name is, uh and he's pawing you, but he's a human. And it's frightening. And, you know, I used to work at Equity. I used to work at Equity. I used to do contracts for Broadway actors. And I'd have meetings with the cat cast, and they would act as cats during the meeting. Oh, my God. There's something really deranged by that. So I think think it would be a fine musical if it wasn't so annoying. 
Okay. Okay. Chuck, Keely, what do you think? Is it any good? I thought we were talking about Back to the Future, the musical. <laughs> Which is doing great. They make I'm the Broadway. DeLorean go out over the audience, and wow. if that isn't brilliant theater, I don't know what is. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Uh, ooh. Now, are you saying, Chuck, that maybe you've been in a DeLorean and you've gone ahead of the, you know, at least 20-some years? So you, okay. Good to know, Winter Garden. You're going to be employed for a while. <laughs> Uh, I've been so, in a green room where some of the DeLorean products have been a dis <laughs> So the question is, is cats good, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. And I think that's a different question than do you like cats? Because <laughs> <laughs> I so, mean, and so, I'm sorry I jumped the gun earlier answering your prompt, but... <laughs> Because again, I think it's it's spectacle, it's indulgent, it's mm -hmm. one of those like no, I think it's absolute garbage. But I mm -hmm. equate to watching cats to like going and getting a Big Mac, right? <laughs> it's not good. It's not good for you. It's not high quality. But it's a but lot of fun. It's tasty. It's fine. Oh, you know, because um, I do. My fiance, no theater background before we met. <laughs> And he cannot stand musicals in general. He's like, why do they have to sing to explain everything uh -huh. constantly? And, uh -huh. you know, again, well, we have that inverted status, Aristotle's <laughs> poetics. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, I think musicals in general, compared to straight theater, there is that. Like, it, it's fun. It's enjoyable. Yeah. Like, I think that Cats is, like, that essence and that, like, concentrated version of American musical theater right. in general compared mm -hmm. to theater across the world, right? Right. Like... So I think, to help our audience and our listeners, uh, we need to all kind of get on the same page and pretend we don't know anything about cats. Okay. And so I'm going to help by starting with a little bit of an origin story of the play. Wow. The play first premiered in London's West End in 1981 and was conceived of and composed by musical legend Andrew Lloyd Webber. Mm -hmm. Did anybody kneel when that name was said? Okay. Good. Right. Nobody should. <laughs> 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 Probably not here on stage, but maybe in locations approximate. I'll have listeners who just drop their phone. I'm sorry, I don't know what happened. Um, to call it a musical is generous, in that as far as genre is concerned, it blurs many lines. The script is sung through entirely from beginning to end, and it feels like a mixture of synth opera, musical review, and concept musical. Agree? Yeah. Okay. After great success with his prior musicals, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, Jesus Christ Superstar, and Evita, he already had those behind him, Andrew Lloyd Webber gave himself something of a challenge. Could he write a musical, or just music in general, around previously published material and come up with no lyrics on his own? That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> That explains so much. Oh. It was a shortcut. So what did he choose as his material? One of his favorite books of poetry from his childhood. T.S. Eliot's Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. Particularly the poems which describe the processes and how each of the cats are named. Originally, T.S. Eliot never intended for them to be published. He wrote them as poems, as inserts to, uh, let in letters to his godchildren, who enjoyed them greatly. In the poems, he described the lives and names of groups of, quote, poor little dogs and dear little cats. However, one of Eliot's godchildren, being a toddler, mispronounced the words and called them 
pollicle dogs, angelical cats, and the name stuck. I should also point out that Elliot <laughs> renounced his U.S. citizenship when he went to Oxford to study in 1914. Mm. He decided to become a British citizen because, according to him, he was spending so much time in Britain that he didn't want to, quote, feel like a squatter. <laughs> oh, <okay>. I guess. <laughs> so, his godchildren would have been British, thus the mispronunciation. Mm. But because his godchildren enjoyed them so much and asked for more with each letter he'd write, Eliot saw the potential for these poems and tales to become influential to many children. So he gathered them up and had them published in a single volume in 1939, Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats, which, as we've mentioned before, got into the hands of Andrew Lloyd Webber when his mother would read them to him as a child. And thus, in 1977, Andrew Lloyd Webber began putting music to Eliot's words, and by 1980, he had something of a concert version of what the play would become. This was about the best he could do, because Keeley, as you were saying, the book of poems doesn't really have a plot line. <laughs> it's just a gathering of poems about how cats were named. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what we got to go. So, is very in summation, this musical is if, say, Hans Zimmer decided to take a break and write a show off of, like, Fox and Socks by Dr. Seuss. <laughs> I feel like that's essentially the same thing at this uh -huh. point, right? Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I wouldn't watch that. Box and socks. I probably, yeah, by Hans and Zimmer. Socks on box. Yeah. Summon all the cellos. <laughs> all right. Well, he still wanted to see if he could somehow make it a musical and needed permission from T.S. Eliot's widow, Valerie. She attended one of his concerts in 1980 and was very impressed by the work, so much so that she actually gave him some of Eliot's unpublished materials about cats that she still had in her possession. <laughs> She's a jolly good cello. <laughs> that is actually very sweet, though. <laughs> I know. Oh, you did something with his work. Thank you. Here's a quote about this, uh, this transaction. Included in the unpublished work was a poem about Grizabella the Glamour Cat, hmm. which Eliot left out of the book because he thought it was too sad for children. Oh. <laughs> The unpublished poem had deeper meaning and inspired Andrew Lloyd Webber to write it into a musical. <laughs> the poem was only eight lines long, but gave the story a tiny plot line. Exactly. Tiny <laughs> plot line. Call That's it. the problem. That's <laughs> it. Right there. I mean, Avita has first, a plot. Folks. Jesus Christ Superstar has a plot. I mean, it's one of the oldest stories on earth, but it has a plot. <laughs> but yeah, that's beginning, the middle, problem. end. We know what happened. <laughs> Uh, now, along with these unpublished poems was a letter from Eliot to his publisher in which he described that the Jellicle Cats would gather on a special evening, which would end with a balloon trip to the Heaviside Lair, which sure. was not really explained what that was. I think trip, <laughs> trip is the formative word. It's the 1970s, for God's sake. <laughs> well, Definitely looked, which has happened. And I looked at the history of like what came in the 70s as far as musical theater. It was like nothing. Oh, like, no. It was okay. weird. It was a weird time. <laughs> and the rest, as they say, is history. Legendary producer Cameron McIntosh had been on board since it was just a concept concert and helped develop it into the product it became. Andrew Lloyd Webber actually put a second mortgage on his home to add funding to the project, which had a projected budget of $5 million in 1980, which is just under $19 million today. 
And due to his faith in the product, other investors joined suit. Hmm. On opening night, there was actually a bomb scare in the theater, which turned out to be a hoax. But nonetheless, the theater was evacuated. And once it turned out to be false, everyone, of course, came back in. And despite all of this, Cats has persevered. And I've already described just how long it ran and how many awards it won. One estimate I saw was that Andrew Lloyd Webber, Cameron McIntosh, and any investor who put money into the project had their investment returned at least 3,500%. Oh. <gasps> wow, that's a very big number. I put in a dollar. That's I a got lot of cat Thirty. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind the litter. Okay. That's what they, they call the green room the litter box. Oh. Imagine all the balls with the bells in them. I mean, if those actors are as method as you say. <laughs> no, but they did. Is... They played with yarn balls. Here, I don't I want this. I bet you somebody did it. Mm-hmm. T.S. Eliot actually won the Tony Award for Best Book of a Musical in 1983. Yes. 15 years after his death, beating out several other contemporary and quite alive theater artists. Man, you lost to cats. <laughs> I need to know who these people are. That's gotta I be need on to a, know who was on the list. It's got to be on your IMDb page. <laughs> I lost to cats. I was runner-up. Uh, one more legacy piece about cats that you might appreciate, Keely. Mm-hmm is that it is more or less responsible for the proliferation of radio mics on the musical stage. For those of you that don't know what that means, today we have little packs that we as actors will wear on our costume somewhere and with a small wire to a minuscule microphone that is placed on our faces and it transmits our feeds to the soundboard. Yep, you can thank cats for wireless mics. We did Evil Dead the musical last semester <laughs> and those mics were the bane of my existence. Uh, are they bloodproof? No. <laughs> no, I had alcohol wipes on deck to wipe them down every Ooh. single night. I was like, try and keep your face away from the effects. They, the actors got really excited. They were doing their job well, but they went face first into these blood sprays. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can thank cats for that. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Cats uh-huh. began what is known as the mega musical craze. Merchandise could be seen everywhere, and this show basically created the merchandise arm of the Broadway industry. And Grizabella's song Memory could be heard on the radio for years after the premiere. Cats was the biggest thing on Broadway for a long time. (laughs) Silence. (laughs) There's a a fat joke in there. Well, because I've always, I've always seen that kind of like separation of like there's those two hierarchies of musical theater kids, right? We have like the techies, we have the crew, we have like the kids that are just really interested in theater as a whole, and then we have that like subgroup. And I'm this is a very personal opinion, and I am not expressing any judgment to somebody who identifies this way. <laughs> But you know those kids that are just like obsessed with the musicals? They have wicked hats and Phantom of the Opera oh. bags and they just love singing the songs constantly everywhere. Like we all, we all work in theater. We know that person. I'm sure you met five of them in high school. I was and teaching I just school. like to sing, Keely. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't trying to call you out, but here we are. Was, but it's so interesting. I that, see that joke coming a mile away. 
I know, there's a lot of foreshadowing. But I would. I would use cats as an example to show, because guaranteed, that person will love cats. Right. No matter what, they will love cats. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting to know that that was like the the cat a list. Whoa! (laughs) Thank you. For that kind of theater culture. Yeah. Right? Oh, you're an ace. Like you. Thank you. Yeah, but it homes. had to, so here's the thing. Mm-hmm. It had to have spurred something with someone for it to last that long. And Cameron McIntosh is not like, he's not just a, he's a huge producer. Oh, yeah. So the, so the fact that somebody saw something, you know, and, and that it ran for so long, and in my term of being in the world of theater, I saw it three times, <laughs> begrudgingly every single time. There, there has to be something. But how, how the amazing have fallen, he went from Evita to Cats. I mean, I just, <laughs> I, I, do you know what I mean? But like, it was a success. I, I, it was. It, it was, was a, a success. blinding success. So what success. is it about Cats well, that people love? Let me, uh, okay, so we've talked about the history of it. Um, let's, let's, let's talk about the show itself, the, 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 the story. Air quotes. The, <laughs> um, let's go ahead and describe that and see what Andrew Lloyd Webber was able to extrapolate from those eight unpublished lines. Uh, to sum it up briefly, it's a play about cats. Uh, the performers appear as anthropomorphic cats with furry costumes and exquisite makeup. But again, they're not people playing cats. They're really just cats. Oh, that's obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here's a fun little story. This is precisely what director Hal Prince found out when Andrew Lloyd Webber played through the full score for him in Prince's Home in an effort to entice Prince to direct the original version on the West End. Go to Hal Prince and play in his house the entire score. Prince had this to say in interviews later. I listened to it all and I said, Andrew, is this something I don't get? (laughs) (laughs) Is, Is this about... Queen Victoria, she's the main cat, and Disraeli and Gladstone are the other cats, and then there are, you know, poor cats. Am I missing this? And he took a terrible, painful, long pause and said, Hal, it's about cats, and we never discussed it again. But what's the metaphor? What's the symbology? What's the meaning? Nope, just cats. Cats. Hal Prince, I met him once. Oh, whoa. He's amazing, God rest his soul, but yeah. Hal Prince was was not somebody that would mince words <laughs> at all. Like, you know what I mean? Like he when he was done with the conversation, he was done. So the fact that he saw he had to have seen some sort of money in this. Yeah. I mean he I did mean, come back and direct Phantom for him, I guess. Yeah. That's yes, true. he did. Yeah. Yeah. But, but maybe there it he's is. like, we've we know. There's actually a story in that one. <laughs> yeah. But maybe it is what you were saying, Mary, is like, because it is just straight up about cats. It's if just, you're a cat person... You get it. You, you're going to like Kinda. it. Kind of. Yeah. Cats themselves have that energy. Oh, I wanted to talk Sometimes to you about that. Sometimes people just want to <laughs> like something. <laughs> okay. But I'm 
that's what I tell you. Singing in unison is just fun. That's what I tell and Ian that's it. every time. That's it. The play doesn't have to be any more complex. It's you get together. You don't have to sing. Other people do it. They sing, <laughs> and you're like, okay, I'm uh, I'm having fun. Uh, and on Broadway, they had this like slinky, like Fosse-esque choreography. There's a part of theater that revels in the snobbery, right? So <laughs> we love to be above yeah. everybody, yeah. and you don't know that show. <gasps> Armpit fart, armpit fart. Cats exist. What do you want? What do you want? Some people find this funny. Other people, you know, gotta go to a hip comedy club and watch someone pontificate into nothingness. And they're like, that's just genius. You don't get it. Wow. Um, yeah. This guy wrote the armpit fart of musicals. And we're all stunned that there's people. Uh, armpit Almost farts technically are going to be around longer than cats. But here's the thing. Imagine how different it would be if it was called dogs. Ah. Ah. Mm-hmm. Something I read was saying that, like, you know, you have more people out there who are dog people than are cat people, or admittedly so. And, yeah, if it was about dogs, everybody would be like, eh, it's more like, that one's like my dog. And, and I think dog people needed to be about their dog. Cat people are, as like... They don't care about their cat as much as their cat doesn't care about them. Yeah. So. My cat is the best cat, but I also know all cats are shitheads. <laughs> <laughs> but dog people would be like, you can't say that about woofums. <laughs> That's my baby. I'm like, no, my cat I'm putting in a Yelp review. <laughs> this will stop now. Yeah. Oh, cat uh, people uh, are like, this is my cat, Nacho. I found him in a trash can one day. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see the study. Who fills out Yelp reviews more, dog people or cat people? I bet Ooh. you cat people are just like, eh, whatever. whatever. Food was cold. It happens. <laughs> but dog people are like, my feelings were hurt. <laughs> my breakfast burrito didn't have enough black olives in it. Um, my McDonald's no. french fries were cold. <laughs> Yelp. Who knew? Oh, uh, by the way, Hal Prince was uh, uh, overbooked when Lloyd Webber asked him to direct Cats. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, this right. is the story of Cats. A tribe of cats known as Jellicoe Cats live inside a theater, and they have gathered for the annual Jellicoe Ball on the stage. And since they're in a theater and they know that an audience is watching them, Mary, like you were saying, they frequently break the fourth wall, sometime invasively coming into the crowd and like sitting on people's laps and purring and, and patting them. And Mary says, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> My dad loved fetish. that when he That's saw it on Broadway. That's an <laughs> open expression of your fetish. I, I really want to Which be. Which is fine, I, I guess. I want to be on the aisle seat. To thrust your fetish onto another person is a little... <laughs> time to call HR, kitty cats. Now, the Jellicles open the show by describing what Jellicle cats are, how each cat gets its name, and that this Jellicle ball is supposed to be special because the wise old leader of the Jellicles, Old Deuteronomy, will be attending tonight to announce which of the Jellicle cats will be chosen to ascend to the Heaviside lair heaven once the next of its nine lives uh. is over <laughs> and thus for the rest of the play we get song after song for each of the mini candidates for old deuteronomy to choose from and their attributes which which should make them the one to be chosen for the journey to the heaviside layer and then the delorean flies in <laughs> runs over a cat for its eighth life is over and now it ascends oh, oh. And Alexander Hamilton gets out of the DeLorean. <laughs> Last year's rent. 
<laughs> I think we're onto something, Chuck. So I'll list some of the cats here, and I'll remind you that Andrew Lloyd Webber did not name any of these cats and took every bit of lyrics from T.S. Eliot's work. Monkus Trap. Yep. The show's narrator and second in command to Old Deuteronomy. He's not really in the running for the uh, Heaviside Layer journey, but he's important nonetheless. Okay, but it's cute now that mm -hmm. you think about he's writing this to his godchildren yeah. first. So the names come from those letters. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. adorable. Isn't that All cute? Right, now yeah. it's, you've made me almost like cats. <laughs> Son of a... We're not done with the show yet, Chuck. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, Monkus Trap, he kind of serves as MC for the festivities. Next is Jenny Anydots, yep. a large tabby cat who lazes around all day and becomes very active at night teaching mice and cockroaches how to tap dance. Well, yes. <laughs> oh. You haven't done that? I can see her costume in my head. It was uh -huh. actually an impressive yeah. structure. Uh -huh. yeah. Rum Tum Tugger, mm -hmm. an interruptive cat who likes to perform, flirt around, and have everybody watch him perform and flirt around. No, we know what he was drinking when he wrote that poem. <laughs> yeah. Very <laughs> sexual Wait, character. Now I got a name. <laughs> Aha! Grizabella, as I mentioned before, the old glamour cat who has kind of been kicked out of the Jellicles because she's old and sad. Yeah, nobody likes her. No. She's, she's going through menopause. She's going through menopause. Oh, my God. And Mary, what is it like for cats that go through menopause? And is there any way that could relate to your show coming here in the spring where folks can purchase tickets, $25? To yeah, front exactly. $20 with CCDID. Mary Kennedy from Shameless. <laughs> Midlife Mood Swing. Very funny. Yeah. Come watch Midlife well, Mood Swing. Mary? Maybe, maybe I'll sing something from cats going through menopause. <laughs> oh, that would be a fun memory. Heart flash. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can still be alone on the pavement, though. Someone bring me some ice cream. Right. Uh, there you go. Exactly. Beautifully done. <laughs> okay, let's continue. Uh, Bustopher Jones, yep. who yep. is the aristocrat cat who thrives on high society and fine dining. And he wears Other spats. Yeah. Otherwise known as gluttony. And spats. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser. Oh, those were my favorite. Uh -huh, right? Those are cute. Those are cute. A pair of identical male and female cats who are known for their aptitude for burglary and mischief. <laughs> Gus, short for asparagus. No. <laughs> Do you know what his job was? Uh, he makes his cat pee smell funny. <laughs> no, he's the railway cat. No. No? No. Who, oh, Gus was old. Gus was the, the old gun. actor cat, the Ignore theater me. cat. Oh, right. Who used to be in all sorts of theater productions until he got palsy, and now his paws shake too much for him to be able to act. Did he get palsy? Hmm. Palsy. <laughs> <laughs> no. Macavity, known as the Napoleon of crime, who also comes into the story to shake things up, stealing old Deuteronomy away at one point, comes back in disguise as old, Deuteron uh, comes back in disguise as old Deuteronomy, but his identity is quickly revealed and Macavity gets the shit kicked out of him. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I got nothing there. Yeah. <laughs> Skimbleshanks, the railway yeah. cat. And from, yes. from what I understand, the trains can't run without Skimbleshanks. It's never really explained what function Skimbleshanks serves on the railway, but the trains can't run without Skimbleshanks. They do have an actual railway cat in Japan now. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. There is a cat with that job in real life. Mm -hmm. I'm picturing that 1800s like, uh, illustration of each of these animals. Yeah, yeah. 
and magical Mr. Mistopheles, the magician cat who is eventually able to bring back old Deuteronomy and the lights in the theater with his magic. Wow. Yeah, he turns a fader up. Excellent. Uh, so he's union. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Knows what he's doing. So yep. <laughs> In any case, by the end of the night, old Deuteronomy selects Grizabella to ascend to the heaviside layer. You gave layer. away the story! <laughs> <laughs> it's been and that's what Grizabella does. It's she fine. ascends th to the heaviside <laughs> layer directly through the roof of the theater. And just like that, the Jellicle Ball is over and the cats disappear. Look at that's that. our story. A woman that's in it, leadership. <laughs> that is 1970. He's ahead of the curve there. It took, what, Reagan to the 80s to get us to the Supreme and Court. The story is effectively an old cat dies. <laughs> that's it. This cat was old and she died. And all of the other cats, in true cat fashion, just go on with yep. their lives. Well, okay, guess that one's gone. Yep, yep, that's it. So, before I continue, <laughs> I'll say what seems to be a theme throughout the reviews of the, uh, the original productions, is that Cats is a show that got a lot more praise for its technical elements rather than its storytelling. As you were saying, what you get is a show of spectacle. And as, as, as we kind of hit on earlier, I'll describe it a little bit more. I mean, in the theater world, we describe spectacle basically as like eye and ear candy, right? In a way? Yeah, sure. Yeah? 100%. Okay. And a lot of things fall under that umbrella. Just anything that could be pleasing to the eye or ear. Anything that shines or sparkles or sounds amazing. Maybe pyrotechnics, maybe flying rigging. So it looks like performers are not subject to the hold of gravity. <gasps> amazing. <gasps> Uh, if you haven't listened, uh, uh, Keely was on my show before, and we did this episode about medieval special effects, you know, in medieval <laughs> theater, where people were literally stringing refuse and smells on stage, and like, wow, that smells like shit. That's really authentic. And it literally was shit. And like, uh, Jesus was on a string. And yeah, and Jesus was on a string and smelled like hyacinth. Um, <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> wow. In the case of Cats, it was makeup and costume, scenic design and lighting, mm -hmm. choreography was amazing, plus using that song and dance as your storytelling style rather than a more traditional method of narrative storytelling made it even more of a spectacle. Now in some cases there isn't anything wrong with spectacle being more important than narrative, but panel, what do you make of that? <laughs> I think... Because again, my whole tangent about Aristotle's poetics, right? Yep. And like um, all of the key elements he talks about are ranked. Yes, right? one through six. Like yep. they start and go in a particular hierarchy of what mm -hmm. is most important. And again, I think American musical theater completely inverts that. Yeah, but spectacle Right, we go higher. six, five, four, three, two, one. Spectacle mm -hmm. is top when you're thinking about American theater. Mm -hmm. That's why we have all of these movies made musicals, right? Like yep. Legally Blonde, it's like, it doesn't matter what the story is. We're just gonna make it look really cool. Cool. like the Beetlejuice musical set. That thing is amazing. Yeah. And yeah. Like from a technical perspective, I could really geek out about it. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think the magic of Cats, now that I'm thinking about it, is that Andrew Lloyd Webber knew that. We yeah. don't need a plot. We <laughs> don't need characters, really. Like, we're just going to commit everything to the spectacle and just, mm -hmm. like, fully balls-to-the-wall commit and, like, really do that. Right. And maybe that's what sold it so much. <laughs> you mentioned movie musicals. I, I was a latecomer to getting to visit Broadway, and my first show that I saw there was Tootsie. 
okay? Oh. And that was yeah. excellent. No, that was a fun show. That was a really yeah. fun show. Great, great costuming, great uh, comedic timing, lots of fun stuff. Um, and then it gets to the end, and the moral basically is, you know, maybe men shouldn't take women's jobs. Yeah. <laughs> and we went, yes, and curtain. I but think that's valid. For instance, Hamilton, and this oh. is this is the school teacher talking here, <laughs> is uh, Hamilton could also be considered a spectacle. Yes. Oh, in yeah. a lot of ways. And but it's also historical and has a plot, has a through line, has a beginning, middle, and an end. Mm -hmm. And yes, we know the history part of it, but you know, that also I think was a hit because also Lynn Miranda put in the rap component and connected our kids to enjoy history right. through that component. I think mm -hmm. if we just sat on stage and read a book, <laughs> I, I think they'd be just as bored as I was during history class. But so what I'm trying to say is that, uh, you know, Hamilton would be a very different show if it wasn't done the way that it was done. Right. But right. I think, you know, I think with spectacle definitely yeah. does have its place in, in right. getting people interested but if a show is primarily spectacle and they go our story is an old cat dies and we all watched it's uh which i think is the plot of the x-men movie series <laughs> <laughs> and you could cross compare to the mission impossible series uh, oh yeah which might have a beginning, How a middle, and end. How is Tom Cruise going to kill himself this time? You know, but he puts but together Hugh an amazing. So the movies hot. have a story, uh -huh. and he yeah. puts together a hell of an action thriller. Whereas the X Men movies are just <laughs> noise. For, here comes another character with a weird thing and a comparison to coming out of the closet. <laughs> yeah, but maybe the. But Hugh Jackman is gorgeous. Well, there's that. Yeah. yeah, but maybe the spectacle yeah, is what makes spectacle. it accessible. That's a different spectacle yeah. for an aging middle-of-the-road midlife woman. And, and Mary, don't you dare get me started Mary, on music, is there, man. <laughs> is there anything a midlife woman should know about which musicals to watch that are most therapeutic when it comes to, say, alleviating the cause or the pain Asking and stresses for a friend of menopause. Check? <laughs> um, there is a musical called Menopause Musical. Oh, there yeah, is. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But it's not mine, so we, we won't talk about it. But no. <laughs> midlife musical, midlife mood swing it's, has some music in it. It's helpful to sing <laughs> and clap and laugh when you've got yes. menopause. Yes. Or even if you just think you might know someone who one day will have menopause, <laughs> say... <laughs> Yeah. If you're and, someone and, within the next 60 miles who has 25 bucks and wants to see a great show. Yeah. Midlife Mood Swing. And I sing in it and I have a hot flash on stage, always. Ooh. You can do that? That's incredible. <laughs> that's now the spectacle. That's spectacle. Can you go the other way and turn them off too? Because <laughs> that is money. Okay. Before I get into critical reviews, I'll tell oh. a little bit more about the initial uh, reception to the concept when it was pitched to other theater makers. I've already told about Hal Prince. Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote in his memoir that when he played the score to entice legendary direct, uh, dancer and choreographer Twyla Tharp, Ooh. she was, quote, less than enthralled. <laughs> <laughs> this seems to be a running theme in the story. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just he wanted, brings it to yeah. people and they're like, hmm. 
Um, it's an astute observation. Good try. Right. <laughs> it's cute what you do. Huh? <laughs> so it's about cats? Oh. The creative team ended up being Andrew Lloyd Webber, director Trevor Nunn, mm, and choreographer yep. Jillian Lynn, who went on to work with Andrew Lloyd Webber as the choreographer for his musicals Phantom of the Opera and Aspects of Love. So they seem to work really well. John Napier designed both sets and costumes. Nunn, mm. Lynn, and Napier were all nominated for Tony Awards for their work. Nunn won for direction, and Napier won for costume design. That does make sense, though. Those were really yeah, oh my God. amazing costumes. Uh -huh. When it comes uh -huh. to direction, there was none other. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, let's get to the reviews. On the West End, reviews were extraordinarily positive, with words like exhilarating piece of theater and strong framework were I think, used. I think you mean positive. Pause. <laughs> One review called it among the most innovative musicals ever created and the British musical has taken a giant leap forward, surpassing in ingenuity and invention anything Broadway has sent us. So do we uh -oh. just learn culturally to hate the play Cats? Is that, like, without having seen it, do you just learn through your social group that you have an opinion about Cats? And I wonder it? if there's an in-group and an out-group. Right. Right? Because, like, theater nerds, right, we're doing mm -hmm. this, like, analytical studies, and we're learning all of this, and we know what makes something good, like, structurally and what all the elements are, but, like... To a layman who knows uh -huh. nothing, right? I mean, we have my fiance who's like, they're singing, I don't get it, why? Um, but then we also have, like, I mean, you don't have to analyze it. There no. is no metaphor or no. symbology to, like, dissect, you know? It's yeah. like looking at abstract art. It's like, I don't know, it's a circle, thanks. Uh -huh. um, it's just Friday night. It's just a brewery. We don't have yeah. to get into the recipe. And what yeah, the you don't have to think about it. It's not a hoity-toity high culture thing. It's you just show up, fuck around, have a good time. Yeah, so mm -hmm. you can just go to the play in the West End, watch the musical of the cats singing and dancing, and think it's fun. And it, yeah. so clearly, the reviews early on are people say who have the job to pan the thing, and are saying it's talented. So that's I wonder. From then on, where do we suddenly <laughs> learn that we hate cats? I think that's the first thing I knew about cats, is that we hate it, long Ooh. before I ever knew what it was. <laughs> cats is a gateway musical, Chuck. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly, I would say, and we're going to get into it a little bit later, uh, the, uh, the Z generation, the Zoomer generation, uh, is 100% on your side there, Chuck, or at least in that, in that vein. Like, they, they just know it's bad. Really? Yep. They saw it on TikTok. Well, yeah. And we'll describe that here in a little bit. Uh, as far as Broadway is concerned, and despite the awards it won, Cats had a harder time impressing critics on Broadway. They just couldn't get it. And they also couldn't deny that it was something innovative and new. John Simon of New York Magazine had this to say. There is something for everyone, even dog lovers, wow. in Ooh. Cats. A kind of whisker Disneyland full of sound and furry. <laughs> you may wow. justly feel that it is slight and overblown, that it is wasteful. Parenthetical reference here. The money spent on it could have kept all the starving cats of China in heavy cream for a century or two. <laughs> and terribly arch, but you cannot help experiencing surges of childish jubilance as cleverness after sleek cleverness rubs against your shins. Uh, 
and I kind of want to debate the economics there because that's in 1987 dollars. Uh, look well, at the Chinese economy yeah. to now. Now there's yeah. no way we could afford all that kind of cream. <laughs> <laughs> the cream market has definitely take a swing. Right, and imagine mm. what the price of milk would be at the store. I wonder what the bull market is for cream. Mm. Yeah. It's uh, more of a bowl market. Bowl. Okay. Uh, Frank Rich of the New York Times of the New York Times did not praise the musical as being good or particularly clever, but this is what he had to say. It's not that this collection of anthropomorphic variety turns is a brilliant musical, or that it powerfully stirs the emotions, or that it has an idea in its head. It's a musical that transports the audience into a complete fantasy world that could only exist in the theater, and yet, these days, only rarely does. Whatever the other failings and excesses, even banalities, of Cats, it believes in purely theatrical magic, and on that faith, it unquestionably delivers. I like that. Isn't that something? That speaks, to, that speaks my little theater heart. Right? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, this is why we go. We want to make believe. And yeah. maybe we'll get a story out of it. Maybe we won't, but we spend some time in another world. And my world didn't exist for a second. That speaks to us absolutely escapist theater. Absolutely. Right. Well, and Frank Rich, who he was the critic there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he is not one to uh, pontificate and say something's fabulous. No. So the fact that he found something in there... Maybe I'm just bitter. Possible. <laughs> well, I mean. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, is there something that maybe. No, but there's probably an opportunity to bitterness? plug uh, Mary Kennedy from Midlife Mood Swing. <laughs> just appearing above me, and you hear her charming voice. She'll be here in the spring performing Midlife Mood Swing at the Recital Hall. Tickets will be on sale $25, 20 bucks with the CCD bag. There you go. Thank you, Chuck. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. yeah. Producer. Just producer. Just, producer. Just you know, trying to give it a leg up. Right? Yeah. So this theatrical magic that somehow was found on Broadway, I wonder if this is why perhaps <laughs> it so inarguably failed when it, it was adapted to the big screen in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. And I think 100% no, correct. That is the reason why Rebel Wilson went and transformed herself. That's all I'm going to say. For us larger girls out there, support body positivity. Yes. That costume. Oh. God help us. Oh. Thank you. I've never seen the movie. Oh. oh. Okay. I liked it's... the musical. I wanted to keep liking the okay. musical. Okay. Well, get ready for a roller coaster here. We're going to show it right now. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, God. Um, oh. I'm kidding. We're not doing that. Of course, it had been suggested for a film adaptation many times in the past. In 1998, while it was still on Broadway, what basically was a filmed version of the stage play got some attention, even though a half hour was cut out, but I don't think anybody really noticed. For God's sakes, no. Uh, <laughs> my world people just... could tone down the length of these things. That shook my like, world a little bit. <laughs> half yeah. of the rest I grew of up us... watching that VHS yeah. tape. There's 30 minutes I don't know about. Yep. Yep. Now, CCD has to stage cuts. Uh. In, <laughs> in 1994, Steven Spielberg had thought to make an animated version of Cats under his animation studio, Amblimation. His Cats was to be released in 1997, 
But Amblimation shut down that year, so Spielberg's cats never came to fruition. Hmm. But Spielberg's production company, Amblin, and Warner Brothers optioned it for a live-action major studio release for the 2019 Christmas season. <laughs> where there was joy from enthusiastic musical theater fans, and there was equally proportionate skepticism. I just want to point out, three <laughs> months later, the world shut down. Sure did. Sure did. <laughs> Whatever your movie did. Um, Connect the dots as you will. What did your movie do at the box office? It closed it. For two Mic years. It was just... Mary, I'm ruining your chance to be in Cats 2. <laughs> Is there any way you would want to follow up midlife mood swing? Your one-woman show that's touring the world. Tickets are on sale oh, right sure. now, $25 I'll, I'll or $20 at the CCDI badge. But would you do Cats 2? Yes? Oh. Yes, sure. Uh-huh. Why not? Brought to you by Kentucky Fried Chicken. This movie's finger-licking good. All right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I hear cats like chicken. Right. Um, it would seem that when the trailer dropped in summer 2019, people weren't quite sure what they were looking at. <laughs> yeah, I remember that moment. <laughs> Sir Ian McKellen, who plays uh. Gus in the movie took to his Twitter account the day after the trailer dropped to say this, most of you are looking forward to it, many are curious, and others have their doubts. As if to say, I guess we'll see. Gandalf. <laughs> yeah, that's as little of a stance as you can they take. They got Gandalf, and no one wanted to see the movie. <laughs> they tried so hard. They did. I knew, the He's second like I saw BBC that trailer. sitcoms from the 70s that oh, have more views. Oh, man. Oh, and when I read the list of names, Chuck, okay. Keep in mind, it closed its original Broadway run in 2000 after 18 years on the Great White Way. The revival in 2016-2017 was frankly forgettable besides having stars like Leona Lewis in the cast. Mm -hmm. So it could be that it had been so long since Cats was really in the zeitgeist that people were wondering, why do we need this now? Oh, you're actually asking. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I think it's, I mean, (laughs) Cats was just the first. Yeah. Right? It opened up this whole genre, this whole style, and Mm -hmm. like everybody took it and extrapolated on it and really innovated and pushed it forward. But Cats was the one that opened the door. Yeah. So now that the door's open, you know, it's like. Yeah, what haven't we done? Exactly. I like your usage of the word zeitgeist because it it point like there was nothing in 2019 (laughs) that was sort of signaling, you know what we need? A good family sit down where we can all just watch. With all the buttholes. There was nothing. Do a dance in order to figure out who succeeds. Yeah, no. Um, Not enough catnip at any dispensary mm -hmm. to get me to want to watch that thing, I'll tell you. No, it was horrible. It could have also been because Warner Brothers chose Tom Hooper to be the director. Tom Hooper is also famous for his questionable choices in film adaptations of musical like Les Miserables a few years before, for which the movie was nominated for Best Picture, but Hooper was not nominated for Best Director. He had won that a couple years prior for The King's Speech. So it was kind of interesting that he did not get this. Hooper has famously defended his directorial choices in Les Mis, mostly, most notably his almost excessive use of close-ups. His uh, <laughs> defense was basically, we can do it in film, not on the stage. I guess. Uh-huh. Sure. And his casting choice of Russell Crowe playing the villainous Javert, as he frankly couldn't sing the part. <laughs> yeah. 
He just it? crowed on. Okay. Boom! Oh, man, <laughs> just needed a punster. Right. I can't not say them. I'm uh-huh. sorry. <laughs> but the film adaptation of Cats seemed to attract a huge ensemble of A-listers. Dame yes. Judi Dench and Sir Ian McKellen. Right. Mm-hmm. Idris Elba. James Corden, Rebel Wilson, as Mary said, Jennifer Hudson, Jason Derulo, and Taylor Swift. But my question has always been, because I saw this cast list when the movie Uh was announced, my question has always been, were these actors making that choice, or was the movie investing enough money that they couldn't say no? Oh, hold on, hold on. I've got one for you. Okay. Before the film premiered, in interviews about why she chose to be in Cats, Taylor Swift... who has three cats named Olivia Benson, Meredith Grey, and Benjamin Button, had this to say. I feel like lots of people in the audience just said that along with you. (laughs) Is he going to mention Olivia? Yes, he got it! Yeah, like just uh, uh, name Taylor Swift's three cats. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Or which one's her favorite. Um, This is what she had to say. This is my calling in life. I have cats. I'm so obsessed with them. I love my cats so much that when a role came up in a movie called Cats, I just thought, like, I gotta do this. End quote. That's a direct quote. That's a direct quote that was printed in a magazine. And proof that Beyonce is so much fucking better than her. Like she's just white privilege that talks a lot, and everyone we else. We knew has we were skill. getting hot takes. You didn't know we would have scalding takes. Oh, I'm gonna get so much hate from T Swifters. Right, fine, fine. <laughs> That's your Let show. Let them chat GPT their review. They haven't got an original yeah. thought. But did we land Ian McKellen and Judy Dench because I they also had cats? Happen to Ooh. like Taylor Swift. Yes, yes, and I know they're. I do. Really it's all right. And you I can don't see think... us debate that. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Chuck, I'm only paying you for We're changing plugs. the opening. No. But, okay. I, I don't know. Listen, uh-huh. Taylor has so much money yeah. that I don't, I think it was probably, I mean, I use this word so lightly, a passion project for her. Oh, obviously. But, but yeah. okay. She actually was not the most annoying thing from the movie. No. I gotta be honest. No. She was not. She's actually one of my highlights, Mary. A one lot of my yes. favorite actors in, you know, say uh-huh. the Bond films and what out. So uh, it's an impressive list of people. Right? A, I, I'm so glad I didn't even know there was a movie edition. It's just, <laughs> I'm doing a hell of a job of checking out a show business and becoming a real human. <laughs> um, well, thanks for being on the show, Chuck. Right? Thanks, I Chuck. <laughs> I got a salary. I can go. Uh, <laughs> Consistent salary. I have a retirement package. <laughs> okay. But the reaction to the Cats trailer, and subsequently the finished movie, may have been due to several pieces of what we'll call artistic license. Oh, really? All of the actors filmed in a complete green screen environment, wearing lycra bodysuits. The entire <sighs> environment... <laughs> including the cat's fur on each of their bodies, was added digitally. And the buttholes. We're getting there. Okay. We're getting there. And there was the regular gamut of questions okay. regarding why cats walked and talked like humans, how some seemed to wear clothes while other ones didn't. Mm. New generation. When Tom Hooper premiered the movie in New York to an invited audience on December 16, 2019, he openly admitted that he had just finished editing the movie the day before. 
I love that cringe, Mary. That was really great. Um, (laughs) What people saw was completely unhinged. And here's just a list of the few infractions. An almost completely reworking of the plot to make it even make less sense by taking a side character and making her the main character. A lot of the CGI had not been completed. In one scene, Judy Dench's actual wedding ring can be seen on her finger. Ah. Dench, by the way, later described her costume of old Deuteronomy as five foxes fucking on her back. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather see that movie. I love her so much. Even if it has her rectum. (laughs) And described her disappointment that the leader of the Jellicles came out looking like, quote, a battered mangy old cat, a great big orange bruiser. What's that about? That's what he's supposed to be, isn't it? Kind of. Another interesting element about the CGI renditions is that five days after the original release, an updated version was sent to theaters with CGI corrections. Apparently, there was a lot of buzz about the original cut digitally placing anuses on all of the cats. This new version removed all of them. So to this day, there is legitimately a secret and unreleased butthole cut of cats out there. But like, Oof. here's the thing, if you uh-huh. own a cat, you know That's what that you, the butthole is you, important. You rub the you touch the button cat somewhere butts. and the anus is like, here, yeah. you wanted this, cats right? Cats are very proud of their buttholes. <laughs> They spend a lot of time working on them. <laughs> like I put effort into this. I need to show it off. Chuck, you don't and need any jokes. And as a cat this owner, is my you're entire, like, yeah. This is my entire bio on Grinder. <laughs> Chuck, my butthole has cut. nine lives. <laughs> I feel so sad yeah. for the CGI people when they sat down for their meeting and said. Oh. You, you get to remove the buttholes today. You. But we put so much time putting them in. Nope. Out. Nope. They're like, out. Before it even went to CG, <laughs> did they even sit down and have a butthole conversation? Like, guys. Oh, that oh they did. Yes, yes, yes. Like, they had to have. Just re- if I've, uh, I've been in green rooms for 30 years. At least three times, cocaine was in the green room. And that's it. That's it. I'm a stoner. I'm not into that scene. And the reason why is cocaine is fucking annoying and they come up with shit like this. Put buttholes uh, on the okay. cats. Yeah, they're like, we should do a movie rendition of cats. Uh, we'll get Judy Dench. Uh, we'll use her butthole. Did It'll you say buttholes? Butthole. I, I was just thinking buttholes. Ian McKellen's oh butthole and the two buttholes will be like, <laughs> what do you think? I think if you have more cocaine, I love your idea. If you don't have any more cocaine, then wait, we should just go. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, Grisabella will sing memory from her butthole. Thank you for the reminder, Stop. Chuck. It was my fault assuming that executive producer rooms I'm were sorry. a place of logic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Regardless, all of those things combined, this is so ingrained in current history and so close to us that I think we all know the result. Cats was panned universally. It currently has an aggregate critic score of 19% on Rotten Tomatoes and an aggregate audience score of 53%. How does it have 53? There are those theater kids who are like, no, I still Uh. like cats. Right, but I like G.I. Joe Redemption. (laughs) Like, I watch that movie once every two months. 
Go and rate Which it. Which is just, you know, yep. like uh, somebody else's cats. Yeah. <laughs> In interviews after the movie had finally premiered, Taylor Swift, whose contract stipulated that she was to record an original song for the movie, oh, yeah. Beautiful Ghosts, a song in reaction to Jennifer Hudson's performance of Memory, Taylor Swift referred to Cats as that weird movie. Even though it was her calling. Her calling. Okay. Mm -hmm. It was it's her a, calling to be on the weird movie. That weird privilege. Movie. <laughs> My privilege. My privilege forgets what their calling is. They have a calling, and then four days later, it's a new one. No, I'm the kind Jennifer of white girl that Hudson, can hold both. Hudson's uh, rendition of memory was beautiful. It was. It mm -hmm. was incredible. Mm -hmm. It was wonderful. It was great. And didn't need a follow-up. Exactly. <laughs> That's an agent, by the way. That's agent mentality. <laughs> like, agents are like, well, it's Taylor, and we've got to have her do an original song in Cats. <laughs> well, you won the battle musical. there, big dog. Yep. Mm -hmm. Did Andrew Lloyd Webber have anything to do with this film? I'm going to get to that later, Mary. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but after this premiere and after the terrible reviews... An interesting phenomenon occurred when cats, uh, with Cats soon after it opened. Alamo Draft Houses started showing Cats, and tickets sold out right away. Well, yeah, that's a place to go see Cats. Yeah. Beer, uh -huh. beer, friends, and a movie, and mm -hmm. you probably can yell or heckle oh. people again. I was going to say, this has tones oh, of the room we coming go. into it. Right? You, it's uh -huh. like Rocky oh. Horror Picture Show, but you bring your words to throw. It seems that during the shutdowns, during the COVID-19 pandemic, Cats became a movie that many found as a source of distraction in that it was so flabbergasting that there now seem to be two kinds of people. Those who have seen Cats and those who haven't. Here's how one viewer described it. From the second the movie starts, you feel like everything you know about reality is over. It's just so truly baffling. How many great people said yes to it? How many people wrote checks for it? I was so entertained by the complexity. Why do they have shoes on? Why do the female cats have boobs? How did they get Idris Elba? There are just so many questions. It's the movie you love to hate. But no, it, it's not even love to hate. I sat my whole family down, including our dog, Mm -hmm. And hot, we did. We we were gonna hate cats. We we're gonna hate watch. Yeah, and and it was so demoralizing to my theater soul. Oh. <laughs> Again, yeah. I still haven't seen it, well, and I probably never will. Just I'm just not interested. Oh, you, you, well, you might just, have to. You might, you might have, have to. Admit, it's like when somebody like curious. holds out your finger and they're like, "This smells really weird. Smell this," and you oh. smell it, and you're like, it's like, "Well, that does smell." It's like. <laughs> I know how people feel about it. I trust you. You're an educated individual. I'm sure I mean, I'd have the same opinion. There were just choices that, that were completely, like, I sat through this with a woman who walks beside me last week, and ten, not even 10 minutes into it, she goes, stop. I said, what? She goes, how far are we into this? <laughs> She's just, this is awful, but we have to do this. You have to, we have to stick through it. And we did. There were things like, Idris Elba plays McCavity. The, the, the villain, I guess, and somehow he has the magic to just whoof, 
wave a hand over you and you turn to dust and disappear and then reappear on a barge in the middle of the Thames. No, but that's the other cat. No. But the other cat is magic. No. Not this no, cat. No, no, he has magic too. There are oh, rules, No, he has damn magic it. too. He has magic too. No. And that's just it. No. I have a somewhat important question to sure. ask mm-hmm. since you viewed the movie. Um, when it comes to gummies, uh, <laughs> sativas or indicas? Just a reminder that campus is federal jurisdiction. Uh-huh. Right, and the Community College of Denver has a cannabis science program and a cannabis <laughs> business program. If you're interested in working in the cannabis home. industry, please contact me. I'll um, connect you to the business Take the pathway. samples off campus. Here, uh, Chuck, I think I can answer that for you. A- Andra, who's not necessarily a theatrical person, asked me, do you have to be on LSD to enjoy this? And 30 minutes in, she goes, I don't think LSD would improve this at all. No, I think <laughs> it sounds like an indica. It sounds like you kind of just <laughs> to be like, I'm in an accepting space of someone else's weird thoughts. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> here's another review from just an audience attendee. Cats is like an experience where everyone walks in as strangers but leaves as family. You said but. <laughs> because the experience is so weird that it's unifying. An entire room of people goes through that experience and then we're looking at each other and nodding and sharing knowing smiles of like, that was crazy. Like a near-death yeah, experience. There's some bathhouses in Denver where you can have the exact same experience. It's where you find your true friends. <laughs> <laughs> the event developed into sold-out crowds at every showing where people came dressed in furry costumes, oh, bought no. drinks. Yes. Yep. yes. Bought, Go to Alamo Draft House yep. to mm-hmm. do this. Bought drinks from a full menu of milk-based cocktails. Oh. Viewers brought props like confetti to be uh. thrown when their favorite characters came on stage. There were drinking games for when certain mishaps occurred on screen and karaoke sing-alongs. Yes. I mean, I love the camaraderie, but I'm a little offended on Rocky Horror's behalf. I'm yes, like, hey, me too. <laughs> I do that show every year. I know, it's so good. <sighs> Very different than this, though. Uh-huh. Quite the surprising turnaround, but of course the mania didn't last. Today, it seems something of a test of endurance. But once you've seen it, you understand the air quotes hype. I, I agree. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a Dane Cook show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an old friend. That's an old friend. Okay, saw him in the nineties. You get it. Yeah, right. I sure didn't enjoy those bedazzled uh, flare pants. Um, oh, one final note, and Mary, this answers your question. Andrew Lloyd Webber has completely disavowed the movie. <laughs> Here are some quotes from him. Cats was off the scale all wrong. There wasn't really any understanding of why the music ticked at all. I saw it and I just thought, oh God, no. It was the first time in my 70 odd years on this planet that I went out and I bought a dog. So, so, the one good thing to come out of it is my little Havanese puppy. Oh, but like, he wasn't even asked to consult or anything. Like, no, I don't think so. like, Who in their mind goes, like, you know what? We should add a song to an Andrew Lloyd Webber play. <laughs> I think we can improve on this. I, yeah, what America needs, the whole globe needs, is a pop star <laughs> adding a song to an Andrew Lloyd Webber play. <laughs> but maybe that was the misstep. He doesn't have enough skill. I mean, he's got to get a few under his belt before, <laughs> you know, 
He can let Taylor do the whole show without singing her own song. Right? <laughs> but maybe that was the fuck up, is Andrew Lloyd Webber was just like, it's a show about cats. It's a show and about cats. And then they tried to make the movie like so much more and do other stuff yeah. with it. And it's like, nah, should have just been about cats. Hey, you want to hear another cute story about Andrew Lloyd Webber's dog? Sure. Okay. He even managed to find a way to travel on an airplane with the dog during the COVID-19 pandemic. Oh, excellent. Quote, I wrote off and said I needed him with me at all times because I'm emotionally damaged and I must have this therapy dog. <laughs> and the airline wrote back and said, can you prove that you really need him? And I said, yes, just see what Hollywood did to my musical cats. Then the approval came back with a note saying, no doctor's report required. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, for better or for worse, that's the story of cats and whether or not it's any good at all. Well, this podcast has nine lives, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so Ta yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if we can come to a conclusive universal answer to that question. Is cats the Nick Cage of musicals? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I'm thinking objectively of the community episode. Okay. Where Abed asks the question, is Nick Cage a good actor? Well, he has an Oscar. Yeah. He's Plenty of people have Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> I, think he, I think he was very good in um, Moonstruck. Yeah. He is. I, yeah. I also am a huge Nick, Can Nick Cage fan. Okay. Um, but yeah, he kind of exists in that weird liminal space of he doesn't adhere to what we see as the rules of like a good actor, right? So He's Nick over Cage, on the other side. Mary Kennedy and Cats 2. Do you go see it? <laughs> All well, three shows on the same stage at the same time, yes. Right. Or would you go see Mary Kennedy Midlife Mood Swing this spring? <laughs> Tickets on sale at DA Hackbox. Well, considering I get a discounted ticket with my CCD ID yeah. and <laughs> free you. validated parking for the day, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Talk I guess. to my agent. I, it cats too. Why not? Yeah, sure. I sure. mean, yeah. As long as we're talking about you know body positive cats and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's about cats. Cats it's, love it's the about cats. Well, Mary, it's, does a young actress, a new actor, <laughs> say yes or no to the audition? Is it her calling? What do you for do? cats? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> here's the deal. You coach I say a lot yes of to. Yeah, I coach a lot of people. I, I say yes to every audition because I'm a character actor. And right. so okay. I would say, yeah, say yes. You know, I say yes. Here's the thing, you know, where you can say no are things that come up with nudity if you're not going to be covered properly. You know, you can say no if there's sort of drug paraphernalia that you're not comfortable with or a religious conviction. But I think for the most part, every audition that you audition for or get asked to audition for, you should go for it and see what happens. Hmm. Because you don't know. I mean, listen, I, I'm the type of actor, character actor, I would be going from Shameless to Cats 2. I don't think anyone's going to go crazy. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, I'm not Dame Judi Dench. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> I'm a worker among workers. You know what I mean? Like, I would do, I would do it in a heartbeat. Right. Well, yeah. You know, you think of that musical theater kid or the, the, the tech theater student who's like, well, cats, it's so terrible. I should, I should say no to the audition because the in crowd would want me to say no. And I mm. think the answer is mm. quite the opposite. Like, allow that 
yeah. noise to I mean, happen about the thing, but go do that audition for something. If I was on tour, if Cats 2 was a movie, that's one thing. That's like a certain amount of time. If I was on tour with Cats 2, I would need my therapist on speed dial because I would have to talk to my therapist every day the to movie, get through it, but I would do it. Once. I would do it and, you know, because... I like I to work. Shoot my scene sometimes. Yeah, See? go right. in, do it once. You leave. They get to do it again later uh -huh. without you. Uh huh. And then yeah. a craze starts. Me Ugh. and the cast. We went for tea this morning, and three of them ate their bowl on the floor. <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> I'm well, all about method, but that cast took it too far. When uh, I went into the meetings, and they were crawling on the floor and uh, licking their. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, it did. It went to lengths that nobody in the original stage musicals, I think, went to. In the original stage musicals, there was that, there was that air of, you know, let's, let's kind of curate what has come before and made this show interesting as far as the choreography, uh, the costuming, which is very revealing, but you're talking about... Uh, you know, a lot of Broadway dancers who mm -hmm. have the physique that people will be like, that I can see on Broadway. Um, you know, it, 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 I, I think as far as spectacle is concerned, and I think when you think of it as a show that can appeal to a tourist trade, mm -hmm. when they, people who may or may not know a lot about theater, but they go to the Broadway and they see the, the musical. And, and the they have the merge. They have something to bring home. Any uh, foreign country, yeah. and you're here uh, yeah. visiting, uh, and you're not an English speaker, then off you go to Cats. You see Cats, and you yeah. went, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. And you have no the merchandise. You have an artifact of, yeah. like, I did this in the, at that place that one time. I got the mug. I got the, yeah. the poster. I have the hoodie. very important glowy stick. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's a dancer's musical and dance, as we all know, being in the theater is the great unifier. I mean, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. everyone will watch dance. So I, I just have an issue with the meth methodness of it all. Ooh. Like, I just wanted these people to be real people for a minute and not be cats all the time. Yeah, it's paperwork time. <laughs> Yeah. I go. think method acting let's could go. be its whole own episode. Oh, <laughs> Entirely oh, on have, its own. I've had so many times when we start talking about method on the show, it's like, so how many quarts of milk will be brought to my dressing room before I can get into the costume? Right. That will have digital fur added to it. Right. How did cats play zip, zap, zap? Right? <laughs> oh, my God. Because, <laughs> yeah, oh, like, once man. you're in the industry, you know what method is, but then, like, culturally, out in the world, there's, like, a capital M method Ugh. and it's like no don't touch that one just no stop well and the the set for the movie was so interesting too like the set of the musical is set to look like there's kind of a bunch of junk yeah. on stage and mm -hmm. and it's multi-purpose and it's multi uh, and it's to featured. scale yes and it's to scale they did that in the movie as well and but they went like everywhere in like alleys mm. in where these cats might live and you're like i i don't care about that Yep. Show me what you can do with just this space. And then I go, wait, was, should we have adapted this? Is it something that can be adapted? It works best on stage. So maybe it should have been, I saw, uh, you know, Hamilton on stage when they filmed it, right? Yeah. And they aired it. Maybe it would have been better to have Cats the musical taped and, and filmed and put out there that way. There you go. 
mass audience. Well, now we figured yeah. it out. Yeah. <laughs> I see where they went wrong. <laughs> I love cats. It is objectively bad. Okay, there we go. All right. Any final thoughts, gang? Uh, it's the cat's meow. I don't get it. <laughs> what? I don't understand it. Okay. <laughs> Listen, it every theater kid. Every theater kid should experience cats <sighs> if they can. I yes. mean, it's the Gateway Musical. It, it, yes. Yeah. And that and, doesn't bring up fans. And then take a business class. That's a whole different. You can make some money. That's middle school. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my panel, Keely Anderson, Chuck Roy, Mary Kennedy, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I really appreciate it. We got a lot of interesting stuff said today. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and sign out on this one. And hey, audience and listeners, if you like the show today, go out and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Download the hell out of it. Rate and review episodes and show us just how much you love the show by scanning that QR code on your playbills and giving a very generous donation. In this case, I'm signing off for Keely Anderson, for Chuck Roy, for Mary Kennedy. Another episode will be in your ears in another two weeks, and I will see you at intermission. Go City Hawks. Go City Hawks and come see Midlife Moon Swings. Did we talk about that? You're good.